Hi, it's Rainy G. It's about midnight on primary night. Um, for those of you who don't know that there were primaries all over the United States today, um, you should, because even though it's not in your district or your state or um, local municipality or whatever, with the state of our nation right now, it's very important that you stay awake, that you stay vigilant, that you stay aware, that you get educated, that you maybe even run for office so that we can get rid of some of these people. I cannot believe what happened in Alabama tonight. <laughs> One of the biggest pork-spending politicians ever who never answers anyone, doesn't answer to anyone, never answers emails, um, it came out ahead in the primary be because, people say, there's nobody to run against them that has any credibility or hasn't been involved in scandals or knows what they're talking about or whatever and when that happens it doesn't matter if the incumbent doesn't know what they're talking about or is ridiculously stupid or whatever um, people don't know who else to vote for so they pick the lesser of two evils one of the evils being the uninformed evil of you know not knowing who the other person is but what I always tell people is whenever you pick the lesser of two evils remember that no matter what you still get evil just because it's lesser evil doesn't mean it's not evil. So we have a lot more work to do in Alabama. I know they have a lot of work to do in other states also. Wisconsin, be careful. Um, a lot of things going on in Wisconsin that, that, that you should be aware of, especially um, with groups that are doing things that are just untruthful. I am trying to get back and get people back on the path to truth, which is very difficult in, in our land right now. We're led, our leaders um, lead us into lies constantly. And it's it's a political thing. It's a power thing. Um, I'm reminded of lies often. And, and I remember as a child, of course, all children test limits and they try to see how far they can get with telling stories about what they did or didn't do. And I remember listening to Bill Cosby one day, and um, he was talking about his son, who was constantly telling lies. And he didn't quite know how to deal with it, because he, he caught him in lies, and he'd yell at him, and he'd punish him, and it didn't seem to do anything. The kids still lied. It became almost natural, like, you know, our politicians do. And so one day he got an idea, and he, he, he told his son, you know, how about, instead of all the punishments and everything, we get that, that um, racer that you wanted, it was a go-kart or something in those days, and, and really get it fixed up and race it in the big race and, and all that stuff, and I'll help you do it. And the kid got very excited, so yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. And so they went and got all the parts, and um, and the parts sat in the garage, and... And uh, the next day, the kid says, okay, Dad, you know, are we going to put the racer together? He says, uh, I'm working on something right now. Didn't mention the racer at all. And the second day, the kid came back in and said, Dad, you know, we really, we only have a couple more days. We have to get this thing together. And he's, and Bill Cosby said, I'm, I'm busy working on something right now. I'll get back to you. Um, 
And won't it be great when we get that racer going? And, and the kid said, well, yeah, I can't wait, but, you know, we got to hurry up, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the third or fourth day, the kid came in really upset and said, Dad, you know, we got to, this has got to happen. We got to, you said we were going to race in the race, and you said we were going to have the best racer, and, and we still need this and that and the other, and, and we've got to do it. And Bill just looked at him and said, oh, I didn't tell you. I lied. Well, the kid had all his expectations up, and of course, um, had no idea that other people lied too, and the impact of lies, and what it does to you psychologically and emotionally, how you put your faith in something or someone, and find out that there's no truth there. Um, and and the kid learned, and Bill said that it it you know there were times that he started to slip. But Bill would look at him and he'd say, oh, okay, I did it, or I didn't do it, or I did take it, or I I did skip school, or whatever he told him. Because he knew that that it was going to be a long road back to trust and truth. Um, he learned it because he wasn't sure whether he could ever trust his father <laughs> not to lie to him again. Um, all based on expectations. And in our country, we have had people with great expectations and those expectations have been let down mightily um, on the health side of things I want to talk a lot about predictions today so on the health side of things we're going to see things happening in the health fields that people never imagined when they were pushing the issue of universal health care see what happens in our world is people get stuck on one thing whether it's the abortion issue in politics or um, the church is saying that, you, you know, that you have to do certain things or else you're no good and you're going to go to hell. Um, and so you get judgmental so that you don't do the things that the church wants you to do, which is not what God wants you to do. He doesn't want you to be judgmental, but the churches want you to judge others. And, and so you do. The institutions around us that are causing these... these uh, rhetorical stances, these, these, I don't even know what to call them, because they don't make any sense anymore. We have larger problems than what people are talking about. So I'm going to talk just a little about, about predictions, because people really need to know, and they do follow those predictions that I've seen on uh, Potomatic people come to the prediction podcast all the time. And you notice that except for the assassination attempt that I talked about in January, um, every other prediction has come true <laughs> already. So that's the first half of the year. Um, there's more to come, unfortunately. And I would say that probably the assassination attempts with all the, there's a hundred or more assassination um, suspects, I guess, every week. But we don't hear about them because they're blocked from the press and... Um, or the press blocks them from us, I think is probably the more realistic answer. <clears throat> so uh, I still think that something something's going to happen. The omens are starting to show up. When uh, Obama was, should have been in Arlington laying the wreath for Memorial Day, he went to Elwood, Illinois instead, and people got crowded out and pushed out and sent home because of a massive downpour with um, thunder and lightning that, that was dangerous. And so he couldn't give his speech there. But that's not why he went to Illinois anyway. Um, isn't it interesting how the flotilla that, that is uh, um, the, the whole movement, the Gaza Strip movement, 
uh, of trying to move material into the Gaza Strip past the blockade that Israel put up many years ago. Isn't it interesting that that flotilla is run by William Ayers and Bernadine Dorn? And if you don't know who they are, you need to do your homework because those are old friends of Barack Obama's from Chicago who were activists who blew up buildings and anti-war movement people and believe in white in uh, in, in the, the the demise of white supremacy because that's what's wrong with our whole world is people were white once. Um, anyway, they're behind that whole thing. And if you don't know the history of the Gaza Strip, I mean, many, many years ago, Israel had many people in the Gaza Strip and the world got on their backs and said, that is not your space. You need to move the Jews off the Gaza Strip and the Jewish settlements. And so Israel did. And the Gaza Strip is kind of this strip of land that lies between um, Palestine and Israel. And Hamas, who is in charge, in, in leadership position in, in Palestine, will send their rockets into Israel from the edge of that strip. And um, it's, it's just a very tortured place. <laughs> but there are many refugees who still are there, and so... Um, countries, people send humanitarian things to people who, who are inhabiting the Gaza Strip. Um, but Israel said, after all these weapons were hurled at them, you know what? You can send all you want humanitarian aid. We'll let that through, but we're putting up a, a wall here, a border, a border crossing, a blockade that makes you know that if you try to bring anything but humanitarian aid, you will be stopped, and, it will, and we'll do whatever we have to do to stop that. Now, mainstream media is not going to tell you that story. They're going to go with Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and say that the Isra Israel is being aggressive and stopping humanitarian aid from coming to the Gaza Strip. It's not humanitarian aid, it's weaponry. And Israel has a right to protect itself. So... Um, you should really support Israel. <laughs> and for all of you who support Israel, who supported Barack Obama, get on your knees because you really made a major, 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 major mistake. Anyway, um, I believe that because of the lack of support for Israel from our government, which is a first in many, many years, um, that, that there is going to be armed conflict. And, of course, that's written in many, many prophecy books that 2011-12 are, are just Armageddon-type years. We can change that with our own energy, but people are not using their energy to change anything. They're using their energy to survive, which is part of the work that goes on from the other side to destroy. Uh, so anyway, we're going to see armed conflict, and, and everybody's assuming it's going to be with Iran and Israel, but it could be Israel and anybody who is trying to destroy them. And there are cultures out there who who have forever wanted Israel destroyed. That's the story of Israel for millions and millions of years. Um, from you know, we know about the Egyptians from the greatest story ever told. But there's <laughs> with Charlton Heston as Moses leading you know uh, the Jews to the Promised Land and out of captivity and all of that and the Ten Commandments. But we don't know that millions of years before that they still were in captivity. Uh, if anybody wants to talk about slavery, holy moly, it's the Jews, right? Um, anyway, we're going to see armed conflict, and it's going to be uh, at first you know minimal. 
and then backing off and and but but watch what happens because that's a very important time. You'll it's like in The Godfather, you know, watch who comes to the forefront first because they're the traitor. The one who approaches and says we need peace talks, they're the traitor. So if it's Russia or if it's China or um, any other country, who knows, you know, Turkey or Syria or England, it doesn't matter. Um, if they come to the forefront after that armed conflict, whoever it is, know that they are the traitor, that they actually are on the opposite side of what they say they are because it's it's lying that is perpetuating many things in our world right now. It's a commandment that everybody broke a long time ago. You know, if we just follow the ten rules, just the ten easy rules, like my daughter always said, there's just a few rules and then you're free to do everything else, we would live in such a wonderful world. You know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not covet. Thou, I mean, simple, very simple rules. But lying has become uh, second... It's like a second language. We have politicians who lie about their military service. How dare them? Uh, it takes a lot of courage to join the military. It takes courage to let the military turn you into what you need to be to fight for your country. It takes stamina. It takes um, heart. It takes a passion that says, I, I love my country, I believe in what I'm doing. Uh, it takes a, a mental capacity that says, I am here for all my brothers and sisters who are fighting with me. And it's not an easy thing. You have to get up your courage and face a lot of things to be in the military and, um, and to go to war, if that's what you have to do. So... Uh, Another reason, I guess, why Memorial Day was so important to many. Uh, some cities put up flags for Memorial Day, hundreds and hundreds of flags. The Boy Scouts came out and the, the VFW and the American Legion and put up American flags. And then overnight somebody burned 26 of those flags. I don't get that. Burn it and protest if you have to, because we are allowed to according to the Constitution, if you need to protest the flag because you're angry at the country for not doing something that you want. But don't don't be burning things in the dark and, you know, burning things on people's lawns and doing all that radical baloney leftist crap that says, you know, <clears throat> I don't like it here and I don't like anything you're doing. I want my country to change into something else. If, if that's the case, then move. Don't tell us to move. You're trying to change us. So you should move. You don't like it here. Anyway, so the Jews were in captivity for all those years, and, and uh, now they are stuck in Israel, and there will be something that goes on. Um, and we won't be told the whole truth. Just know that. We'll, we'll be told lies. We're being told lies about everything. And, gee, it comes back to haunt you. It comes back and slaps you in the face. Um, Obama's upset right now about the Gulf oil rig explosion. And BP, British Petroleum, uh, supposedly not telling him everything he should have been told. And not telling the truth. Well, what goes around comes around. Okay? Now, many of the fishermen believe that that explosion was not an accident. <clears throat> but 
regardless of whether that can ever be proven, more people believe that there's nothing being done on purpose, that, that the government is standing off on this because they're quite aware that the environment of the South, the, all the Gulf Coast, will be virtually destroyed, which will destroy the economy. We are, all, all the states across the, the Gulf Coast, um, including portions of Florida, are probably the most conservative states in the United States. And that doesn't mean total right-wing fanatics. That means just conservatives, people who believe in the Constitution, who love this country, and are also probably the most armed people. Now, there's a reason for that, <laughs> and that's just historical, that after the, the Civil War, um, when the Yankees took over, and I was a Yankee, so I know what that means, um, the, the Confederates said they were never going to give up their guns. That's for darn sure. Um, and, of course, you heard Barack Obama talk about that in San Francisco, how all these right-wing radicals cling to their Bibles and their guns. Well, nobody down here clings to their Bibles and guns. They cling to God. And some of them have Bibles. Most don't. And they don't cling to their guns. They use them. Just like Sarah Palin, you know, can... can, can uh, gut an elk or whatever, or a moose or whatever it is. Um, people down here use their guns. They hunt. They fish. They do all those things because the environment allows that and encourages it. And uh, what will happen with this oil slick is <clears throat> we're in day 45 or 47 or whatever. They, they cut the pipe today, which means that the oil is going to spill out 20 times faster for some length of time until they see if they can put this cover on it and start sucking the oil up. But all of that is a distraction. All of that is a distraction. We hear people say, oh, how, what do you expect Obama to do? Go down with his magic wand and, and fix this thing? He can't do anything. It's not his responsibility. It's BP's responsibility. And blah, blah, blah. All this stuff going on. Well, <clears throat> BP is one of the biggest supporters of Barack Obama, financially. And they sit on the boards of some of the networks that um, Obama is also a part of and the Clintons are a part of and even the Bushes were a part of to change America. So the fact that it's BP who has this problem with this oil well is suspicious to many. And people down here believe that the government is not stepping in on purpose so that the economy will be destroyed, so that those who live here will have to move, um, and they won't be so concentrated in the, the southern states, so it'll be much easier to to change things or do what's necessary in the south to change America over to a socialist country. Uh, if there's anyone in these, these, these 50 states who... <coughs> are against socialism. It's the southern states of the United States. The northern states owned by the universities and the liberal professors and uh, the old hippies, I guess, from the 60s <clears throat> would rather have socialism. And so we are a divided nation. We have a nation of, of many who say, oh, what's wrong with socialism? Alan Combs, who used to be on Fox News, who was with Hannity, on Hannity and Combs, constantly talks on the radio how good socialism is. And, uh, and, and I can't, I really personally can't stand listening to it anymore because it's like, okay, then what, if you love it so much, then go to a socialist country. He's got the freedom to do that. Don't change this one. 
This one was born of a whole different idea. America was an experiment, and still is, where the Founding Fathers, when, when they released the tyranny of King George, the people from the tyranny of King George, said, we need guidelines, we need law, so that we may govern ourselves away from the king. And they studied very hard, and they worded our documents of law very carefully to let people know that this was a democratic republic, not a democracy, a democratic republic, which is where we, the people, comes from on the, in the Constitution. Um, and that within that democratic republic, there would be different states, and that the states would grant the federal government permission, grant the government permission, to govern certain things, not the states and not the people, but to govern certain things. And then within the state constitutions, each one was written very carefully. They said that there were certain things that the state had to provide but <clears throat> and would provide that they were responsible for. But all other things, they'd stay out of. They'd stay out of your, your, your off your property, out of your business, um, away from your family out of your church, that they would just not get involved with those, that they were only there to help a group of people within a state, because it's hard for groups of people to come together and know how to do things together, to help those people with infrastructure and um, money for projects that needed to be done to let their lives be better, because the Declaration of Independence gives us, in this country, the ability to to search for happiness, to live life, and and do it freely, to have the freedom to do that. Um, so they they wrote these documents, and those documents are now being changed, <laughs> and overlooked, and forgotten on purpose. But the, the southern states, see, many people still believe in the Constitution here. The northern states, they want the Constitution to change with the times, that the old founding fathers don't mean anything anymore, that it's the ones who led the civil rights movement that really make this country what it is. Well, the revolution was a civil rights movement. That's the first civil rights movement in this country, was our Revolutionary War. The second one was the Civil War. And within those two wars were black and white and, and yellow and green and red people who who fought for freedom. And the common denominator was freedom. Even if you were a slave, what you wanted from these wars was freedom. The freedom to be who you were supposed to be. Was it a challenge? Did it work all the time? Was it right that, that people were feeling under bondage? No. When the colonies, when the colonists first came and they st still felt the bondage and tyranny of King George, they wanted to be free. They had no idea. They didn't understand what they were doing when they bought slaves from the black people of Africa who sold their sisters and daughters and sons to make money to do with what they would. Um, they had no idea. That was normal then. It was like, okay, that's a commodity, I guess, and we buy it, and and you buy it like you do a horse or, or a cart or, or a, a, a pedigreed dog or whatever, and I'm not trying to say anything bad here, but you have to remember where people were coming from. They left everything they owned, everything they had, everything they thought about to get away from the tyranny of their own countries, to come to this new promised place and, and try to learn life.
from the ground up. How do you live in a place like this? They had the worst famine ever the first years that people came here. There was just no rain. And, and so they thought they had come to a place that was going to be barren. Um, as time went on, more people came. They also had some of the worst winters in our recorded history. So many of the new people who came here thought they'd come to a frozen tundra. And where was the land that was going to give them the opportunity to be free, to pursue happiness in their own way? Uh, very difficult times for people. Even when my grandparents came here, um, and I, I, I can't remember exactly when, I think it was like 18. My Italian grandparents came here in the 1880s or something. My mother's father and grandfather and great-grandfather were here already. <clears throat> long before the revolution and fought in the revolution. I have a great-grandfather who was a general in the Revolutionary War. <clears throat> but but they, they came here at different times when this little infant country that's only a couple hundred years old now was trying to find itself and form what it was supposed to be. And so the Founding Fathers founded those documents and wrote them and, and said, try this. Try to be a democratic republic where the ruling governance is really from the people, that the people need representation, just like the Indians needed people to be tribal leaders because you can't always listen to every single person in the tribe. They'd vote. <laughs> you know, the Indians would get into a circle and pass a talking stick. Um, the women would sit outside the circle, <clears throat> and they would discuss what needed to be done to secure their lands, to make pathways to other lands. They would get into wars with each other over land and water. Um, they would also join together in, in several tribes together, like the, the uh, Iroquois Nation in the northeast and the, the, the Sioux and the Chippewa in the, in the west and others would form um, tribal alliances just like the states did and say, you know, we have to work together to, to stop w different things that were happening to them at the time. And our founding fathers, Franklin and Adams and Jefferson, talked to the Indians. And they said, how do you govern such a vast, wonderful nation with your nations? And, of course, every tribe felt that whatever their boundaries were, if, if, it, were, if it was the Seneca Indians in western New York, they knew that Lake Erie was one boundary, Lake Ontario was a northern boundary, and that the Finger Lakes were the eastern boundary, and that uh, the Great Ohio, which means a beautiful river, south of them at a certain point was their southern boundary and that was their nation it was their whole nation now we changed that to be states so that we had boundaries on our states uh, but but they and <clears throat> the founding fathers sat with them and said how do you govern these nations and the the chiefs and the wisdom keepers and the fire keepers and um, the great orators of of the nations talked to them and said we we do it in a circular fashion because things do change and they move through a circle never on a straight line and we do it by consensus 
after everyone has spoken their piece so that everyone is represented one way or another. They pass the talking stick, and if you want to speak, you do, and you don't move that stick away from you until you're done. And everyone in the circle has to listen. And then they, um, when someone is talking and you don't have the stick, you're not supposed to be thinking of what you're going to be saying, but rather almost meditating on the words that they're saying to you. So that all people in the circle, all people of the nation who are represented there in the nation are listened to. Um, much like you see the debates and the, the, the speeches that go on in Congress, except that we have deteriorated to the point where our speeches and our, our platforms that our representatives give are done to empty corridors and empty rooms. Everybody leaves and says, oh, he's going to talk about such such, we don't have to be here. Um, that would be considered quite rude and, and uh, almost, I don't know, be something that, that somebody would be quite chastised for in the Native American regions that did circles. You didn't leave the circle until the fire was out. Our Congress was built on the idea that you sit in a circle, it's a semicircle, but it's really a full circle, and the gavel is the talking stick, and that when that gavel comes down and says, you have the floor, then you have the floor, and people are supposed to be listening to you, just as you're supposed to be listening to them. We don't have a Congress that does that anymore. Um, and then each of those people who are in the circle, because they're representatives of other little groups and tribes and tribal factions that were living in other places, would take the information back to their people and say, this is what we need to do and this is what the tribal leaders have decided. And if there was a conflict, they would come back together again and talk it out because it was all open. There was nothing on paper. It was all done with words and truth, that you spoke your truth, you walked your truth. You were on the earth to do just that, that the, the earth is your mother, that God is your father, they call him the creator, um, and that you have a reason for being here. And, and part of that reason is to be the person you were born to be, because God didn't create you for no reason. <laughs> So they would, anyway, they would continue their conversations until there was actual con true consensus. Not some representative saying, we're going to do it this way because I think it's best for everybody. Not some chief saying, some tribal leader, some president saying, we're going to do it this way because it's on my agenda or it's on my list of things to do and I believe it's best for the country. Even if only half of you agree. Um... What the, what the chiefs would do is, if only half agreed, they would think about that and say, then there must be a problem. If only half the people agree, what is the disagreement and where can we fix that? Or do we not pursue this at all because we don't have all the people feeling the same way about what we're trying to do? Often, it was women who would... Um, Intercede when things happened or were supposed to happen that would affect Mother Earth. They were very protective. It was their job to plant and reap what they planted, <clears throat> what they sowed, to protect the Earth, to understand the Earth and nature, um, to have children and guide those children in understanding the world around them. They worked hard, but they worked 
within the confines of their nations. In other words, uh, everybody had their jobs to do, but nobody did extra jobs. If someone saw someone else carrying three bundles of wood when they were only supposed to be carrying one, then the women, the sister, her sisters, her mothers would say, you are, you're doing more than your share, and we all need to learn how to do this, and they would find two other people to make sure they shared the bundles. That's not socialism. That's um, respectful governance of, of uh, and it's respectful government, I guess is the right word, because <clears throat> the people govern themselves, and they do it in a way that, that has respect for individuals and the individuality of every person as a part of a nation or a state or the United States. Well, that is going away and has been destroyed by those who don't believe in the individual and in, in the abilities that every person was given. And Native Americans who are angry about what was taken from them and Hispanics who say that we stole this country from the Indians, well, uh, that's probably true. But most countries have been stolen. All countries have been stolen from someone. Um or fought for, or paid for, or bartered for, or exchanged for, traded for. The United States is no different. People, we fought the French, we fought the British, we fought the Indians. Um, at one point, we all wanted to live together, I'm sure, and share everything. But there are always factions from all societies and all cultures that destroy that. And so the Indians, the Native Americans, my fathers and grandfathers on that side need to get over this. Stop looking for reparations because we all are due reparations from every country. So get over it and start thinking about how you're going to save the country you're in. And and really meditate on the fact about whether you love this country. And what do you love about it? You know, my daughter's getting married next June and, and um she never listens to this podcast, so I guess I can say this, but I, I'm not too fond of the person she's marrying. And I, I asked her several times, I said, what do you love about him? What is it that excites you? What is it that makes you think this is who you want to spend your life with? And she can't answer me. She just keeps saying, well, we don't fight. Well, <clears throat> when I think about America, when I think, if somebody says to me, what is it that you love about America? I need a very long podcast to go into that. When I sit out here where I am right now, it's midnight and you can hear birds, because for some reason the birds around here don't, they have alarm clocks and at midnight they start singing. Maybe it's because I'm always out here working, I don't know. I do work outside all the time and my podcasts are always done outside. So you'll hear weather, you'll hear birds, you'll hear wind, whatever. Um, <clears throat> But when I think about, when I sit out here and I think about America, I'll, I'll, you know, people will come and sit with me sometimes and I just start talking. And, and it's just this most beautiful, fascinating creation, this chosen place, this, this place that I am sure that God said, let's try this and let's do it here. And I'll help you. And we'll bring all people from all nations together to one place 
and they'll all have different languages, but each one will learn a new lang a language called English, American English, which is just the opposite of what he did with Babylon. Uh, things were going too quickly, and the towers are being built too quickly, so God said, slow down. I'm going to have to slow you down because this is not the way the plan's going to work yet. This is not working. So I'm going to change your languages and make you babble to each other. Well, America was supposed to be a land of all nations coming together in one place, a big melting pot, with freedom, the freedom to discover, explore, invent, um, decipher, encode, patent things, teach, educate, learn, build, um, and and use all parts of your imagination to be everything that you could possibly be. And we were. We're a nation that invented things for the rest of the world. You know, it was here that the light bulb was born. It was here that the elevator was born. The sewing machine was born. It was here that many of the tools and devices like steel that built all the cities of the world were discovered and worked on and and formulated into a, something that could be used to, to build and grow. Uh, and that's one part of America that I love, is the ingenuity and the entrepreneurship and the, the automatic, inherent feeling that you're an American, you can get this done. You can do anything. It doesn't matter if somebody bombs Pearl Harbor or blows up the World Trade Center. Together, you can do anything. It's a common bond that Americans have. And then I look around more, and I look more deeply. I had somebody ask about communications last week, and they said, well, if the government takes everything over, if it comes push to shove and, and they turn off the cell phones and the Internet, and that's very possible, by the way, you're going to see Internet things going on that you've never seen before, and you're going to be very frustrated with it because you're so used to it. You're so accustomed to using all these gadgets that now Obama calls gadgets, even though he has a BlackBerry. You're so accustomed to using them that you won't know anymore how to live without them. So I, I said, well, what would you do if, if the Internet was cut off and the phones were cut off and there's no TV? How would you communicate with each other? And so somebody says, well, you get a ham radio. Well, if you were on the move, let's say that there was revolutionary things going on or you were being evacuated put somewhere else because the government wanted the land or decided or told you that things were so toxic on the Gulf Coast that they were going to move all the people away, uh, something like that. What would you do for communication? How would you carry a ham radio? You can't because you don't have a tower. And, and you can't use walkie-talkies because they don't have um, the distance the capabilities that you would need to communicate with family members. And since family members are now spread out all over the place, how would you communicate with them? So I didn't quite know how to answer, although I do in my own heart know how to answer, but trying to teach people what the world has to offer to them. You know, smoke signals. Everybody's seen a movie where Indians use smoke signals. Of course, Hollywood had no idea what they were or why. But Indians always looked at nature. That's what they had. They didn't have anything else but nature, and they loved every part of it. Every blade of grass was sacred, every flower on a pedestal, every tree loved. Not the way the leftist weirdos cry over a tree. The tree knows why it's here and what it needs to do. And it knows that some of them are going to get cut down. 
And what the Native Americans would do if they had to cut a tree is they would ask its permission, and then they would say thank you to the other trees because they're all brothers and sisters. So they were, they were very um, respectful of the fact that they were doing something that affected Mother Earth. Um, whether it was cutting her hair or, you know, moving her base or readjusting her back or whatever it was, it's the same thing because they look at Mother Earth just like a body, like a soul. Um, so they, they would do what they needed to do to justify and reconcile what they were doing. But communications with the, the, the uh, smoke signals, I told I was in this. Uh, we have a saltwater pool next door, and it was like 97,000 degrees here a couple of days ago. So I was in the pool with a couple of friends, and I said, "Well, don't you know where smoke signals came from? Lay back and look at the clouds. Every cloud has a different shape, and no matter how many times you look at the clouds, you'll never see exactly the same one, will you? And it won't stay that way forever, will it? It moves, it changes shape, it billows, it does all kinds of things, and and Cloud walking was something we used to do as children. We'd look at the clouds and we'd see animals and people and faces and trees and flowers and butterflies in the clouds. Well, Native Americans did that too, and they said, well, what does a butterfly mean and what does a tree mean and what does a horse mean? What does, um, you know, a horse means power. Uh, which direction are the clouds going? Is there a darkness in the clouds? Is there uh, rain coming? All kinds of things that they saw in the clouds. And so they developed their own language with smoke. And they learned how to use um, fabric from deer or antelope or whatever, or buffalo, and use the smoke to signify what they needed to tell each other, that there was danger on the horizon, that there were herds... um, to the, to the east, about 20 miles, depending on how far the, the smoke would travel. And so that you needed to go there, that we are having a meeting, <laughs> a circle, to discuss things and that all tribes need to come. And they would send that signal out and show the, the smoke actually gathering in a circle, um, touching each other so that the ones who saw the smoke signals would say, there's a, a, a circle and we need to go. And they'd be the messengers, and they'd go tell everyone else. And and then they would all show up at Seneca Lake in New York or uh, uh, near Sedona, Arizona, or whatever, because they knew that this was the time that they had to come and speak and listen. So they used smoke signals. So so my friends said, well, we're not going to use smoke signals. And I said, no, but we need to learn to use nature. We need to understand that that the people who were originally here were very um, on the move, very also healthy, by the way. And they did things to keep themselves healthy. They Sweat lodges, you know, they've had gotten a bad name over the past couple of years, but sweat lodges, very common. And it's the same thing as going into a sauna or a steam bath where you're actually releasing toxins through your skin. And they would do that. They'd go into sweat lodges and they'd sweat, but they'd meditate and they'd pray. And... Um, They'd often do this before a run, and a run could be hundreds and hundreds of miles within three or four or five days, which most people can't do in a car. But they they would um, go in the sweat lodges, and then they would also bathe a lot in, right afterwards. 
to make sure that their bodies were hydrated and now that they were clean of all toxins, that they were hydrated with clear water and that they had the energy that the water gives them because we are 80% water to do what they needed to do. Our bodies are 80% water. Our brains are 80% water. So we need water very definitely, just like all plants need water. And then they would, <clears throat> they had fasted all that time and they'd put their pouch around their neck and their pouch on their hip and, and uh, ready themselves and then start running. They had to go from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to uh, Louisville to Dallas, Texas and back within some number of days because different tribes needed to know that things were going on. So all of the Indians would plant food under the ground, not plant it, they'd actually bury it under the ground, under stones, rocks that had shapes, that had symbols. Um, so that if you were one of the messengers, one of the travelers who was doing this run, you would know which path to take <clears throat> and where there would be food, and you would barely stop. You'd be like the old uh, Pony Express. You'd barely stop and scoop up the food and eat it while you were running so that you had the nourishment and the, the energy and the power and strength that you needed to continue. And they knew where the water was because they followed the animals. The animals can smell water. They know where it is within 500 miles. They can go find water. And so they follow the animals. Most of the animal paths are now major freeways and highways because the Indians made them the path to get from one place to another so that you would follow where the water and the food was. Um, I don't know how many of us can even think about doing that if we have to. If push comes to shove in this world... And not just the United States. It's, this is a global thing, but I don't want us to always think globally because that's one of the problems. Um, let's start just with the United States. If there is upheaval, if there is um, revolution, if there is such tyranny that people have no choice but to fight back, the fight will be one that is um, larger than we've ever seen mainly because we now have 300 million more people than we did during any of our past wars, but also because the desperation of thinking that you are going to lose something that you've had and your parents have had and your grandparents have had for more than 200 years, uh, and the passion that you have for that country that you might lose will push people to the point of give me liberty or give me death. So this could happen, and of course if that does happen, the opposite side will do what it needs to do to try to survive, and, and, uh, and that's called war. And that's called survival for those who are in the oppressed part of the, of the war. So if you got to that point, what would you do? Um, I've given you a couple clues <laughs> as far as communications and food and water go. Those are the main things to survive. You have to know where people are and where they're going to be, where they're going to gather. And if you don't get the signals about when they're gathering, then there always has to be a set gathering. <clears throat> That's why we have things like calendars and dates. That's why they were invented. Uh, that's why you'll see conferences or lodges held the same time every year. It's because oftentimes some of those messages couldn't get through, but you still need to all come together. And so every fifth moon or every ninth month or every uh, 26th day, you knew that you had to be somewhere so that you could get the information you needed to continue surviving 
from whoever was attacking you or whatever was changing or wherever the tribe was going. You needed to know that information. And you will need to do that. You need to gather your friends and your family and, and um, your co-workers, your colleagues, those that you trust, and say, if anything happens, we need to decide that somehow one of us will get to this place on the first moon or the 15th of the month and that somebody will get to this other place the third month on the first day um, and at those places will be any messages anyone else has left there and this is where they'll be and we will leave messages for those who pass by there in case they missed what they needed to know and on the way there, we'll know where the water is because this is how you find it. And we'll know where the food is because this is how you bury it. Codex Alimentarius has come through and been signed, basically, where the government will now have control over all food. They can determine and decide whether you are allowed to grow it, eat it, sell it, transport it. And whether you are allowed to have a garden and use their water because they're now in charge of the water, all water. And so what are you going to do about that? People have asked me, what are, you, are you storing up food for like months? I said, no. A little maybe because we do this for hurricanes anyway. But I'm not storing food for months because if push comes to shove, they'll push us off the land anyway. So what are you going to do with all that food? And it's just like any other war revolutionary, civil, civil, French and Indian, doesn't matter. When somebody takes over your area, the first thing they look for is the stash of food, money, and water. <laughs> so you don't want to leave that for them. That's for sure. Um, <clears throat> many people are buying gold because of the stock markets. I said to my friends who can afford the gold, great, but don't keep it in a safe deposit box in the bank. Because if the dollar crashes and the euro crashes and all the banks fail, the banks will lock their doors. And it'll, it'll be forever, if you do get it at all, before you get back in the bank and get your money and your gold. So they said, well, then what will we do with it? I said, you're going to have to figure out a place, whether it's on your property to begin with. It should be on your property where you can bury that money in two different places or three different places. So that in case somebody finds one, you don't lose it all. Um, and accessible in case you get moved off your land or you're stopped from coming back to your land where you can find a way to get there and get to that gold and silver like a little treasure hunt because you'll need it for bartering. <clears throat> now what you're hearing happening to my voice and my uh, sinuses is that the oil, I'm down here in, in, on the Gulf Coast of Alabama and that the oil that has hit the beaches is actually causing fumes in the air. Um, it's giving everybody headaches to begin with, but it's also affecting people's sinuses. And like I said, I'm outside, and the air is very dense at night because of the humidity uh, and the vapors, the water vapor in the air. So I'm picking up a lot of the scent and a lot of the reaction to the chemicals that they've dispersed in the Gulf and the, and the, uh, the oil itself. Um, at one point last week, we came outside, and right away I, I smelled this horrible smell. It smelled something like... Um, uh, antifreeze and you know what antifreeze will do to you if you inhale it too much it will destroy your brain cells and your eyeballs and everything and 
Anyway, I could smell it immediately. So could my mother. We have the best noses of any two people I know. <laughs> but uh, but it is affecting people. And so what we're telling people to do is not hide, not run and hide. But you need to make sure that you're you're um, diffusing oils, essential oils, which will not only make it smell better because that's all that that junk from Glade and and Airwick and all that is, is those are chemicals. But real natural oils that will not only make it smell better, but destroy any of the organisms, whether it's bacteria, viral, or mold that happens to be within those vapors that are affecting your body. So you need to understand that you should have essential oils with you on your trip, wherever you're going to end up going. Um, because purification oil, for instance, can be used for any kind of bug bites if you have to stay out in the woods or sleep in a cabin or go down by the water at night or whatever you're doing. Um, if you get bitten by certain things and you have reactions to them or you don't even know you have reactions to them, you put purification oil on and stop the reaction. You're going to need thieves' oil because thieves' oil stops molds and viruses and bacteria all by itself. So if you can't go brush your teeth or or um, breathe or whatever it is you're having trouble with, you put thieves on your body or you put you take it internally and you kill that stuff that's hurting you so that you are able to continue and do what you need to do. Um, basic essential oils, uh, alignment stuff for your body like Valor, you're going to need those. We have this new product that is on the website at earthwalk-usa.com that's uh, coming from a place called Ciaura, C-I-E-A-U-R-A. They are holographic chips embedded via laser with multiple hundreds of combinations of homeopathic combinations that target specific things in your body. So those of you who have pain, who are unable to do some things because of the pain, you can put one of these little chips. They're, they're no bigger than a quarter if they're that big. They're not even as big as a quarter. Probably a nickel, an old nickel. Um, you can see through them, and they have little shapes on them, but they're holographic, so they're actually multidimensional, and and they're and they're transparent. You stick them on your body, or you stick them on your clothes, and what they do is they actually massage and change the energy in your body, and the channels for the energy in your body to to do certain things. So if you're in pain, the pain patch will do something much like what acupuncture does. Rechannels the energy so that the body is relieved of the pain, number one, and then is able to heal. The one for restful sleep you put on your temples or in the middle of your head or all three places if you really have trouble, and one on your inside of your ankle where your kidneys actually are uh, reflexively. And... Um, that helps you get a restful night's sleep. You're not tossing and turning and, and waking up with nightmares and feeling like you have to go to the bathroom and having weird dreams and all of that. And then there's another one that gives you energy because mostly what's going on in our bodies is we are eating the wrong foods, so we're not getting the energy that we need and um, depleting our adrenals from all the stress we're under. And for everybody who listens to this podcast, I know how stressed you all are, because I certainly am. If I'm up here at now 1 o'clock in the morning talking to you like I am, knowing that I'm going to be up at 6 or 5.30 in the morning to continue working. Um, anyway, you're going to need those those discs, too. And uh, next week or the week after, I'm going to have Dr. Karen Kelly on here explaining exactly how they work and giving you some testimonials about people who have used them because it's it's an amazing technology to me 
It's 3,000 years of medicine in a, in a 21st century delivery system. And it's going to change the way people deal with their health and their bodies. It's going to change a lot. Mostly we have doctors who are supporting this. And people are saying, well, why would doctors want that when they get all the kickbacks from pharmaceutical companies and everything else? And I said, you know, a lot of doctors actually care about the fact that they can't heal you. They can't help some of the things that you're feeling. But these discs, they have seen do amazing things. So they are now saying, you know what, these chips work. And um, helping to spread that word, as are major athletes who no longer, they don't want to take drugs and drink these weird drinks to try to have the stamina they need to perform. So they're putting a chip on. Uh, They put a chip on their shoulder. How about that? And... uh, and they, they, it's non-transdermal. Nothing goes into your body, so it doesn't affect medications. It doesn't change the chemistry or, or uh, cause side effects or long-term effects or anything like that. It's energy, and we are seven layers of energy. And if you read my books, you'll understand those seven layers. I can't take the time to explain them now. This is an hour-long podcast as it is. Um, but predictions, some more predictions. Uh, when you see more and more of this health care bill come out, you're going to see a lot of hospitals close, uh, doctors retiring, a lot of people looking for freebies that aren't going to find them. If, you, if you've ever been on Medicaid, or if you are on Medicaid, multiply the frustration that you have with the Medicaid system by probably a 100 or a 1,000, and that's what you will see coming with Medicare, uh, I mean the health care bill. And Medicare, you're going to see a lot of seniors struggling, so we're going to want to help them. You know, these are our elders. Without them, we would not be here. So we're going to want to help them, and that's one of the reasons these chips are very important to me because if uh, people are, the elderly are suffering from arthritis and um, the inability to sleep, sleep is so important to healing. If you can't sleep, you won't heal Um, or just need the extra energy to get by so they can go through the day. These chips will help, and there's a lot more coming out, one for allergies especially, so that people will be able to deal with their allergies in a different way, and one for ADHD so that we don't have our children um, who won't be able to see doctors and shouldn't anyway for that particular symptomatic thing, uh, where they won't have ADHD anymore. Um, there'll be one for weight loss, so we don't have to worry about what the EPA and the FDA are telling us to eat or not to eat. Interesting, by the way, that they signed a law in New York uh, to tax sugar drinks like Coke and Pepsi, but to give you discounts on sugar-free drinks like Diet Coke and Diet Pepsi, which have aspartame in them, which will destroy your joints and make you fatter. So... Michelle Obama, with her weight loss program, will be very upset in a little while to find out that people are actually gaining weight from drinking Diet Coke. But they don't do the research. They don't understand how they are negatively affecting everybody's body. Heinz is taking the salt out of their ketchup and changing their their uh, recipe because they're Obama supporters and they want to get the salt out. <clears throat> but they're adding... Um, chemical preservatives because the salt changes that whole consistency which will affect you more negatively than the salt did so anyway um, you're going to see a lot of that going on you're going to see as far as weather goes we are going to have multiple hurricanes 
I do think one is coming to the Gulf because of all the things that have happened. I really think that the oil in the Gulf is, a, is an omen and a symbol. It's a sign. It's a, it's a, it's a thing. It's man-made disaster. On the other hand, the, um, the results of that disaster are very telling. Number one, the oil leaking the way it is reminds me of Obama leaking the way he does. And nobody can or wants to stop it. And it's destroying the economy and the lifestyles of everyone who lives down here. And you can say, well, that's the South. Who cares about Mississippi and Alabama? You know, they're all shacks and uh, all that. Well, you come on down to my house, see if it's a shack, okay? It's one of the most beautiful places in the world to live. And the beaches, um, you know, Mississippi beaches, if you've ever been to casinos down there, Gulfport or Biloxi or Pass Christian or any of those places, um, Long Beach, they have just the whitest sand that's now turning brown from the oil. And they just replaced all that sand after Hurricane Katrina. Just started getting their economies back. Um, that's Mississippi. Alabama, of course, has the ports of Alabama that are very important coming up the bay. And we have something called Jubilee every year that should be happening in about six weeks from now, where the fish actually throw themselves on the shore. Piles and piles and, and pounds and pounds of, of shrimp and crab and flounder and just for free people take their baskets down and fill up their baskets with fish and and take them home but those fish will now be contaminated so um a good portion of alabama it was just like up in new york state on lake erie or uh lake ontario a lot of people will fish two three five times a week because they eat the fish that's the way they survive they like the fish they do that <laughs> but we're going to see something because this whole thing is like an omen to me the fact that this this uncapped misery that's dark and awful is going on within our our, uh, our Gulf Coast area. And the fact that Haiti had its uh, earthquake and the fact that Iceland had its volcano, which I predicted both of those, I think that we see some more coming. And probably at least one hurricane in the Gulf area, which is going to exacerbate this whole catastrophe. But it's going to make, there's a reason that it has to do that. Because it will spread. These, you know, once, once these hurricanes come on shore, they don't stop there. They go up through all the states. They can go all the way up to New York State and Ohio and Canada and Cleveland and Chicago and New York City. And they just keep on going. And we're going to have some that take those long trails. And they're going to bring the oil with them. So that people can't settle back and say that it's not about me. It's not affecting me. I don't eat fish and I don't live down there. They can't be like um, like they have been for so many years. So there's a reason. There's a reason for this. There's all a reason. The wisdom keepers are also saying that we have three things wrong in the world and three things wrong in this country. And, and they're all the same. That we need to get rid of... The three things are money, religion, and government. Religion is not God-made, it's man-made. Neither is money God-made, and neither is government. It's all people-made. It's all a creation from our negative sides, from those that side of us that wants things that we shouldn't want, that covets everything that everybody else has. It's one of the commandments that we break all the time. And uh, the wisdom keepers are saying that, that, like I have said for years, money will go away. 
that will be taken care of because we have already destroyed that. Religion is another thing that people have to fight. Not your spirituality, not your Christianity, your belief in God, your your connection to the Creator, none of that stuff, but the, the baloney teachings that are coming out of the churches. The judgments, the politicalness, the, the um, radicalness that's coming out of these institutions of prayer. Get away from them. Change them. Stop them. Because they are interfering with the whole context of freedom and life and the pursuit of happiness. Now, a lot of people will yell at me and call me and write me and say, but I get so much out of my church. Well, so did Barack Obama. You know, and Jesse Jackson loves talking in his church, and Farrakhan loves talking in his, and um, then they'll say, well, my pastor isn't like that, and I'll say, okay. I got into a fight with my sister-in-law this week because I said something about a religion, and I said, but they, see, they wouldn't be that religion if they didn't go to that church, because you can't, you're not born, uh, you're not born a Christian or a, or a or Baptist or a Methodist, you become one. And if you are a Catholic, for instance, like my friend said, well, I'm Catholic, but I don't go to the Catholic Church anymore. I go to I said, then you're no longer Catholic. Because according to the Catholic Church, you've, you've already desecrated the Church because you're not going to the Catholic Church. So I had this big thing about that. And it's like, you know, get out of this box. They have put you into a box and said, okay, now you're part of our Church and you're a, you're a Baptist or a Methodist or a Christian or a or a Catholic, and this is what we believe. And because we believe it, this is what you're going to believe. That we believe that, you know, abortion is no good or abortion is wonderful. We believe that um, that there should be no wars or that war is the only way to do anything. We believe that gay people are no good or that they should have their own church. Whatever those belief systems are, are being pushed into your head. Is that if you believing in one God the Father, and in one earth, the Mother, and understanding what your place is here. So there are three things that are not good, and the wisdom keepers have said it's time to tell you that these have to be stopped. That the, the three things, religion, money, and government, the government is going to implode. And we will learn, not probably in my generation, but in the next one or the one after, again, how to govern ourselves. It'll be new. It'll be a young country again, and they'll start over, and they'll make it better. Money <clears throat> will be in the hands of the IMF and all the global bankers who decided to, to do this more than 100 years ago and have now got everything in their coffers. All of you who are investing in the market, the market looks good. Wow, go buy it. It goes up, and then all of a sudden it crashes, but they scrape the money off the top. And then they get you going again and say the economy is improving. All of our stimulus dollars are working. And so you invest in other things. And you invest back in the market. And then it crashes because it's being manipulated. And they scrape everything off the top. At this point, hundreds, 13 more than $13 trillion has been spread around and given to institutions, banking, globalists that we don't even know about. We've never heard of. We can't get their names, we can't get their numbers, we can't email them, we can't contact them, but they have our money. So, is that a bad thing? The wisdom keepers are saying maybe we need to learn how to live without money instead of worrying about who has it because money has been the root of all evil. Now, that sounds like a leftist thing to say. It also sounds like a right-wing Christian, Christian thing to say. But what it is is the reality. 
that everything's always about money. That all of the pain of the world, the struggles, have been about money. When we work, when we came to America, and our, my parents came to America and said, I'm going to do this kind of work, and felt good about the, the fruits of their labor, um, the fruits became the money instead of the feeling of pride that you get from doing a job well, learning how to do it and doing it well. It became who gets paid more for doing that same job. And now you have to go back to the Bible because there's lots of stories about the sons who the father says, do this and do this, and one does and one doesn't. And uh, the one who does it this way, not for money, actually has many more fruits and much more wealth than the one who does it only for money. <laughs> so we have to change all those things, and you're going to see that coming down on us really hard, where there's actually... Um, the churches are going to get together on one side and on the other at the same time. That's why you see all the things going on with the Vatican, because the Catholic Church was in charge for so long. And this empire is now under attack. They were in charge of the Roman Empire, which was dissolved. So you're going to see the churches actually fighting each other eventually, where the radical churches on the left are going to fight the Christian churches, which are just as radical, because they're just as, as full of judgment. They, you know, the radical right ones don't like gay people or pregnancy or illegal pregnancy or whatever. And the ones on the left are saying, leave them alone and let them be. And they sound, that's why Nancy Pelosi can say that she lives by the word. Because the word on the left is tolerance and, and um, a way of not judging things that other people are judging, they believe. And then the word on the right is a right, a righteousness which says that if the Bible says you shouldn't be um, you shouldn't be gay or whatever, then you're going to hell and you need to not do that anymore. And what I'm saying, everyone, is get off all these bandwagons because as long as we're doing all this stuff, we're not concentrating on what's going to allow us to live and get away from global government. I don't want the UN in charge of me, do you? That's what's going to happen. Um, we are a divided nation that's going to fall. Because divide and conquer has been the word for a long time. And you will see nations trying to overtake this nation from afar. You will see us destroying each other from within. And it gets worse and worse and worse until something pops. And when that we hit that breaking point is when all hell breaks loose. Um, not this year, but I would say look for July and August of this year for the dollar to do really bad things. Um, and then for the manipulation of the market to be really intense because that's uh, September, because the elections are in November. September is when people decide. September and October are when people decide who they're going to vote for, not November. They start doing the work to figure that out in September. So when they see the economy rising again from the ashes, it'll all be the Democrats who did it so that you'll run out and vote Democratic. Um, <clears throat> Okay, well, we're getting pretty long here. I'm at an hour and ten minutes, and that really is too long for a podcast. So those are the things you need to know, you need to think about, um, you need to get on top of. There's just a whole lot going on everywhere, and it's, we're being inundated on purpose, and it's very stressful to people, and I know that. But, you know, take your vitamins, drink your water, do your stretches, align your body, um, use the essential oils. Really, use the essential oils. I've never seen anything like them either. Only the ones that we talk about. Not because I sell them. I don't sell them. But they're the therapeutic grade. They have the highest 
um, therapeutic quality in them to do what they're necessary that's necessary for you and then also look into these CRA chips because again I have never seen a technology like this I've you know I get approached by 50 60 companies a week to promote their products and and strategies and I I just unless I use it on me and I know a lot of people who use them I don't talk about them I don't sell them I don't put them on the website nothing these I've done the research with and I respect the people who are talking to me about them who have done three five six ten years of research and the testimonials that are coming in from people all over the world are very intense uh, they you know people who have been in pain forever put a chip on and the next day they don't have the pain anymore people who couldn't sleep because they went through Hurricane Katrina or the Vietnam War or they came back from Iraq or they're always in such pain that they can't even roll over in bed because their backs are bad or whatever they put the chips on their backs and they you know they can they can sleep whether they're using two chips one for pain and one for sleeping they can do that my mother's dog because he's 199,000 years old by now um, having trouble sleeping because he, he has bad legs because he broke them when he was a puppy and they're getting older now so he, he lays down and two minutes later he gets up and five minutes later he lays down and then he ten minutes later he gets up and he sleeps with my mother so he makes her crazy so we put a sleep chip on him I said let's see if he sleeps and guess what? he slept through the night <laughs> and he was pain-free in the morning so you know acting like a little puppy again so they even work on animals they're just amazing but do those things know that yes there's going to be more catastrophes there's going to be uh, hurricanes that just do the weirdest kind of damage um, to places that we didn't think they were going to hit a hurricane in New York City uh, for instance <sighs> I can't imagine what that's going to feel like but anyway and and all the other things I talked about um, and start thinking about how to survive how to survive well and do it in a good way not a fearful way don't be afraid but have absolute faith in God and Mother Earth and when you do that no matter what happens you'll be exactly in the right place where you're supposed to be whenever anything happens and you can have faith in that and, and feel the power that comes from understanding that until then, please share this, tell everyone, email it, give them the link, tell them to go through the list of the podcasts, find the ones they're interested in, whatever, and uh, go to the website, Earthwalk, one word, Earthwalk, E-A-R-T-H-W-A-L-K-USA.com, and, uh, and spread that link around, because there's just so much information. You can go down the, the menu and find things on politics and, and health and videos and music and and books and anything else that you need to find that'll help you get into a better place so that you can deal with everything that's going on mind body and spirit wise from a Native American perspective on a global scale this is Raina G thank you for listening